You are connected, and you are listening to Specifically for Seniors, the podcast for those in the Remember When generation. Today's podcast is available everywhere you listen to podcasts and with video at Specifically for Seniors YouTube channel. Now, here's your host, Dr. Larry Barsh. How do you begin to introduce an award-winning photographer, a musician, a podcaster, a teacher, an author, a tour guide, a traveler, a philosopher, a canon explorer of life, and an inspiration to those of us still struggling to take the photograph? Easy. You just say, Rick Salmon. Rick, thanks so much for taking time from your busy schedule to come well, on that- specifically for seniors. Well, thank you so much. I've never been called a philosopher, but I do have a lot of uh, different philosophies. And uh, yeah, it sounds like my mother wrote that intro. So thank you so much. She did, by the way. She uh, oh, she, she sent it From in. heaven. I got it at the last minute. <laughs> good. Hey, I hear you have COVID, so I'm sorry to hear that. I had it. My wife had it. Everybody I know has it, and I'm sure everybody I know is going to get it. Yeah, I've been away from it. I've escaped it until now, but... Uh, so if I sound a little yeah, on the voice, it's because of COVID. Anyhow, well, I really mean a busy schedule. You just got back from the Ngorongoro crater in Tanzania a couple of weeks ago. Yep. What were you photographing? Well, actually, we were we started out in Terengere, uh, which is a park in the south. Then we went to Ngorogoro Crater. Then we went to the central Serengeti. And then we went to the northern Serengeti. And, you know, it's interesting. Uh, my wife wanted to go there because we, we have been to Kenya and Botswana and South Africa where you could drive off the road. So if you want to get that perfect shot, you know, you can you can you can drive off the road. There's <coughs> the guy to maneuver around and do all this stuff. Well, I thought, okay, you know, we're going to go to uh, Tanzania. You have to stay on the road. Well, the thing is, the animals aren't frightened of the vehicles there, and we got so many amazing, amazing shots from the road. And so we went there, to, you know, to photograph the wildlife. And we were lucky because we saw the uh, we saw the uh, the one morning we saw five thousand animals, uh, zebra and wildebeest crossing the Mara River. Oh. So it was an amazing, amazing trip that far exceeded my expectations. And you're off again in a couple of weeks. Well, we just came after that. We went to Bosque del Apache to photograph the birds. New Mexico, if you have any bird lovers, I know there's a lot of bird lovers uh, in your audience. Uh, Bosque del Apache in November, November and December, they have thousands and thousands and thousands of snow geese and sandhill cranes that fill the sky, especially in the morning, that, an event called the Blast Off. So that's, uh, that's really a cool place. That's in New, New Mexico. And then we're home for a while, and then we're going to just go relaxing uh, in uh, Florida for a week, Delray Beach. Wakota Hatchie? You've been to Wakota Hatchie. I lived in Florida for five years. Oh, what made you move? Uh, uh, long story. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, Wakota Hatchie, known to locals as Wacko, right? Yeah. Wacko for short. 
But, you know, for bird lovers, well, Cotahatchee and Green Key are amazing places to photograph birds. I've gotten some of my best uh, pictures there, which proves you don't have to go to Tanzania and the other side of the world to get great pictures. No, both places were about 15 minutes away from where we lived. Nice. So, uh, and I have a lot of friends in the community still down there who are working to perfect their bird photography. Well, I think birds in flight, as you know, this is like some of the hardest, um, some of the hardest type of uh, photography, right? Because yeah, the subject's moving, the background's changing, the exposure's changing, you know? Then we want to think about capturing gesture, wings up or wings down. And, uh, you know, we want to get the eye in focus. So there's a lot to think about. But, you know, as you know, technology has changed so much, um, you know, with the eye detection and animal tracking, you know, in 30 frames per second, it's, it's almost like iPhone photography, right? <laughs> you just point and shoot. You know... All of the discussions of photography, and, and this leads into it a little bit, talk about gear and technique. Yeah. As important as that is with all the advancements in cameras, there's, there's more to a photo, uh, photograph yeah. that only a person can control. Art, right. storytelling, philosophy, passion. How do you feel about those aspects? Well, it's interesting that you asked, and it's really a good question. I was watching... Um, you know, Yo-Yo Ma, the cellist? Yeah. Everyone knows Yo-Yo Ma. Um, and I was watching his master class, and he's telling a story, and he's saying that, you know, years ago, he was playing a concert, and he realized he was playing it perfectly. It was so perfect. He said, I'm playing this perfectly. And he said to himself, I'm bored out of my mind. So he he felt that at that time, he's just playing it perfectly. He wasn't expressing himself. So he's really into expression versus perfection. So you mentioned the gear. So, yeah, people want, oh, the sharpest lens. They want to take out all the noise. They want to, uh, you know, zoom in and, and take out the pixels or clone out this. The expression is really what it's all about. And it's the exact same thing, you know, with music. You see the guitars in the back. You know, you can play a song perfectly, but if you don't express yourself like Santana or Eric Clapton or, you know, any any of the great musicians out there, that's what they're interested in in doing, expressing themselves. They're not interested, well, they might be interested in perfection too. (laughs) I know Paul McCartney, you know, they would record things, um, you know, many, many times. You know, although he went into the studio and did Blackbird, I think, in one take. Uh, so anyway, that's why I think uh, what I try to uh, stress to people, especially lately, that expression is way more important than perfection. How did you get interested in photography? You're obviously multi-talented. Well, um, many of your audience, uh, many of people in your audience may remember the 1960s TV show Person to Person with Edward R. Murrow. Edward Armuro, like the famed journalist in World War II, he came back. He had the first live TV show. My father was the uh, technical director of that show. And he would go to like, uh, with his Linhoff 4x5 view camera, go to Marilyn Monroe's house, Joe DiMaggio's house, Humphrey Bogart's house. And he would photograph the houses before the show. And then he would bring the negatives back, develop them in our basement, and then bring them to work and so they could see where to put the lights. And, and the mics and all this stuff and how they were going to set up the cameras, whatever. So, uh, you know, at an early age, like you know, 10, he's my father's um, developing it and showed me how to do it, uh, pictures in the basement and my mother's hand coloring them with pencils. It's amazing. So that's how you got started. 
Well, that's how I got, I was interested in it. And, uh, you know, I just think photography is, it's always been fun. And, you know, Groucho Marx had, had a saying, he said, if you're not having fun, you're doing something wrong. And, uh, you know, before we came on, you say, how do you do all this stuff? I really, the, the fun aspect is really important in my life. So you know, we went to Tanzania to take pictures, but I told everybody, my main goal was to have fun with Susan. And that's what we did. For those listeners who travel and like to include mm-hmm. people in their photography, right. how do you recommend they interact with people of different cultures, different languages? Mm-hmm. Well, it depends. You know, I tell people that my specialty is not specializing <clears throat> because I do like to do it all. But when it comes down to it, I really do like photographing people. So if I go to a place like uh, Bhutan or Nepal or or actually I did the same thing in um, in uh, Tanzania, I bring magic tricks and I do magic tricks first. So I get the people to like me or at least accept me into their lives by doing the magic tricks. And then I ask them, oh, could I take a picture here? Could I take a picture there? But in, in the street photography, I, I just go up to people. I say, you know, with a big smile, could you do me a favor? Could I take a picture? I'd love to send you the picture. Yeah, street photography is one of my favorites. And mm-hmm. I love taking pictures of people. Yeah. I love interacting where I don't have the language. Right. A smile and a wave and works wonders. Well, you know, there's an expression that comes from uh, Freeman Patterson in Canada, and his expression is that the camera looks both ways. In picturing the subject, we're also picturing a part of ourselves. And this is true. So if I want to photograph, you know, someone in, in Cuba and and I want a big smile, I'll go, hey, can I take your picture? You know, I'm smiling, things like that. But if I'm photographing a Buddhist monk in, in Cambodia, I'm going to show a lot of respect. So I'm going to act differently. So an an easier way to say that is that we're mirrors. I'd like to talk a bit about planning for a trip, too. Sure. Most of the listeners here, naturally, are older adults. I like to say we're all in the remember when generations. Well, I like like to say sexy senior citizens. Yeah. uh, Thank you. No. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you, you know. On, on that note, I was given a, I was given a presentation at a at a retirement center actually in Florida, not too far from Delray. And I said, "It's great." I said to uh, one of the ladies there, "I said, thank you for coming. It's great to see you." She said, "We rather," <laughs> she said, "We rather be seen than viewed." <laughs> it's a good one, right? Yeah, that's good. Uh, most of the trips, and I, and I say this from experience as well, most of the trips we take are escorted at this point in our lives. We're on a tour. Uh, So carrying a number of cameras, lenses, tripods becomes impossible because of the weight and the other people on the Mm -hmm. tour. Uh, And other people on the tour want to go shopping. Yeah. And not particularly tolerant of right. uh, those of us who want to take our time. To right. Come. I mean, I was at Anchor Watt yeah. with my wife, and we got to walk through for a couple of hours, and people are saying, when are we going to go to lunch? Right, I know. How do you, how do you, what cameras do you take? How do you get pictures of value in this type of situation? 
Yeah, well, lately we've been trying to go by ourselves. Or we do, if you, you know, I would recommend going on a photo tour rather than a photo workshop. Photo workshops, you're going to work. You're going to be, you know, <laughs> doing a lot of processing, doing this and that. So photo tours are different where the photographer is just going to show you around. So I think I think photo tours are a great way to do this. And they're usually cheaper, also more affordable than, than photo workshops. So a photo tour, I think, is a, is a good way to go. But, you know, I, I know people who bring, you know, camera bags with every lens, you know, known to me and packed in there. They have, like bring eight lenses. I bring my iPhone and I bring a 24 to 105 if I'm doing street photography. And that might be it. Wildlife photography, I bring a 100 to 400 or 500 and a 24 to 105. So you do a lot of travel photography with the iPhone as well? The iPhone's amazing. You know, uh, Susan, Sam, and my wife got into this because uh, we've been married for 48 years next year. Uh, she's been sh she's been shooting seriously, I think, for maybe about five or eight years, maybe longer. And I always said that, you know, through osmosis, she learned all this stuff from me. Now I'm learning so much stuff from her with the apps and stuff like that. She's a, And you know what? I, I think one of the most important things I learned from her is to shoot wide. You know, I, I'm like uh, I'm like big on cropping. I have OCD, obsessive cropping disor disorder, <laughs> and she gets amazing uh, wide angle shots. So uh, that's one of the things I learned from her. Also learned about all these apps. You know, the I the distressed FX, Snapseed, all these amazing apps. There's so much you could do with the with the iPhone or the smartphone. That, that's interesting you say that as a professional photographer. Well, look look at the megapixels, right? That these and the new and the new uh, iPhone with the uh, with the three lenses in it. This is amazing. You know, actually, I have a friend who's surprised. She sees me taking pictures with the iPhone, and I just sent her a link to. Uh, 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 I don't know if you know Russell Brown. He works at Adobe. Great photographer, Dr. Russell Brown. What he did in the last year with the iPhone was incredible. I'll have to look that up. Russell, he's on Facebook, Dr. Russell Brown. Some specifics. Do you have yeah. one photograph you're especially proud of? Okay. Uh, I'm asked that question so many times. Yeah, I've got to be. But... But the answer is the first one that comes to mind is a picture I took of my father. Uh, it was the last picture I took of him. He was in his den. He was 92 years old. He was looking out the window. And uh, I thought, you know, he was fading. He's on a walker in his robe. And I thought, should I ask him if I could take his picture? Uh, and I finally did. And he might have known why I was taking the last picture because it might be the last picture. So anyway... It captured him so beautifully with side light looking out the window. He was so happy. And so that would be my favorite picture. You mentioned that you were sort of a general photographer liking to take pictures of everything. Right. Is there one aspect you enjoy the most? Well, I, I like I like the people photography, but I also love the processing. You know, the processing is just like a, amazing. You know, this is not an original thought. It's a, Ansel Adams thought. He said that, you know, the, the negative is the score. Like I play piano and guitar. And then, you know, the performance is the processing. So 
you know, I could look at sheet music, look at the sheet music, it's nice. But you start to play it, you know, it's amazing. You know, it comes to life. So the processing, and there's so much we can do. You remember shooting slide film, right? Yep. You know, if you didn't get it right, I used to do underwater photography. And if we got one shot parole, because we would bracket like crazy, uh, we were happy. So today it's just so, so, uh, so easy. I remember yelling upstairs from the dark room, nobody flushed the toilet. I've got temperature control issues down here. Really? Wow, was that? <laughs> uh, yeah, I couldn't go for big heaters and temperature control at the time. Right. But you're talking more about digital photography, digital yeah. processing now? Yeah, the digital processing is uh, what we can pull out, you know, with from the shadows and tone down the highlights and uh, and apply all these, you know, replace the sky. And I say some people, you know, if you're working for National Geographic, you're not going to replace the sky. But if you want to have fun and think like an artist and think like a painter, it's okay to replace the sky as long as you tell someone you did it. <laughs> so is your philosophy that photography is more art than rendition of a scene? Well, I don't know if I would, I don't know if I would say that. Well, it is definitely art, but you know, they, they, along those lines, my friend, they, um, there's an expression that says every photograph is a lie. Meaning that the, what you choose to include in a scene isn't real, isn't always what the scene's like. So, you know, if I was like really close to the camera and I didn't have, and you could, and, and couldn't see the guitars in the back, I could say, you know, I'm coming to you from a hotel room in Mongolia. You're right. I mean, you wouldn't know. You would know that I'm in my studio. So we create our own reality, I think, with our, with our photographs by what we uh, choose to uh, take out or include in a scene. You know, painting is, is additive. You know, a painter looks at the canvas and decides what they want on the canvas. As uh, photographers, we look at a scene and we say, what don't we want in the scene? Right. So moving a branch, taking out a discarded soda can, you're really altering what was there. Well, you are. And, you know, a National Geographic photographer might not do that. But my guess, a lot of these pictures are posed. I see pictures that I'm sure that I'm sure are set up and there's, there's nothing there's nothing wrong with that. You know, Matthew. Now, this, this discussion actually went back to the Civil War. You know, Matthew Brady, uh, you know, one of the, maybe the most photos, famous photojournalists of the Civil War, you know, had these amazing pictures of the soldiers with the gun here and the cannon in the back. And it turns out he set them all up. You know, he would drag a body and things like that. So that's not photojournalism. What I do is certainly not photojournalism. What I do is fun. What are the most important parts of a portrait, speaking of people photography? Well, getting back to uh, uh, the Greeks, Yosef Karshavadova claimed that he came up with the saying. And by the way, if your listeners want to look up a wonderful photographer, Karshavadova, who my father actually had on person to person, uh, there's the saying is the eyes of the window, window to the soul. So I'm looking you know, to get the, the expression in the eyes first and to use, usually light the eyes. But I'm also looking for gesture. 
Right. Gesture is, is so important. You know, that's why, you know, when I'm moving around with my hands, that's gesture. So gesture in bird photography, animal, people, whatever. Gesture is so important. But I think you want to try to capture the person's uh, personality. You know, uh, getting back to Karsh, one of his famous pictures was of Winston Churchill. And Winston Churchill is like scouring at the camera and it really captured his personality. And here's how Kosh got it. Of course, you know, uh, Churchill was known for, you know, always having a cigar in his hand. So uh, uh, Winston Churchill said, I want to I want to catch him off guard. I want to capture, you know, see, see how I would react, you know, if something unexpected. So he has a, a remote trigger, you know, for his camera. So he goes up to uh, he goes up to uh, Churchill and he takes away a cigar. If your listeners and viewers look up Winston Churchill, Karsh of Ottawa, they'll see how uh, Winston Churchill is scouring right in the camera like that. It's very intense. Okay, away from photography for a minute. Yep. You are an accomplished musician as well. Yep. And you provide guitar lessons on the internet at your website. Yep. Is that part of being an artist? Uh do the two uh, uh, activities combine? Well, uh, you know, we mentioned Ansel Adams a few times. He was a concert pianist. Was he? Scott, he was amazing. Scott Kelby, you know, Kelby won. Probably actually sells, uh, he's the top selling uh, Photoshop book author in the world. Maybe Photoshop and photography or computers. He's amazing on guitar and piano and drums. At Photoshop World, I play with him. Uh, oh, so many of my photographer plan, friends, you know, I could go through, Tony Sweet, great photographer, plays drums. Joe Brady, guitographer, plays uh, plays the bass. Uh, Mark Heaps from Adobe, or not Adobe, uh, at uh, LifePixel, uh, he plays beautiful guitar. So, you know, people who are good at one thing are usually good at a lot of things. Interesting. And speaking of good at a lot of things, let's talk about your passion for teaching. Yeah. You guide tours, mm -hmm. present seminars. You've written more than 40 books on almost every aspect of photography uh, and the business of photography, how to make money while you're sleeping. Yeah, that's, that's my latest book and my most popular book. <laughs> yeah, I don't doubt it. Wait, well, wait. you know what? I got the idea. I was on Twitter and I saw a quote from Warren Buffett. Uh, and he says, if you don't learn how to make money when you're sleeping, sleeping, you're going to work until you're dead. <laughs> so I said, hey, that probably applies to photography. He's talking about passive income. So in that book, How to Make Money While You're Sleeping, which is available on Amazon, I talk about all the different ways photographers or actually artists can make money while they're sleeping. Where, where does that aspect of your life come from, the teaching aspect? Uh, well, I started out teaching uh, guitar and piano, and I really like it. And uh, it's, I, I, I don't know how I evolved into this. You know, they say, they, you know, the expression is people, people who can't do teach. Well, look at Yo-Yo Ma. Right, Yo-Yo Ma's teaching. Right, Martin Scorsese's teaching. Uh, Annie Leibovitz is teaching. So I think there's also 
you know, good money in teaching, to be honest, right? I mean, people want to learn. I taught at a dental school for a while. I'm a dentist uh, originally. Oh. And oh, you know, taught... I wanted to ask you. I have a yeah. Right <laughs> Take your best you... shot. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Why do I so always took... bring that up? Uh, but I wrote a textbook on uh, how to plan treatment in dentistry and mm -hmm. used some of Ansel Adams' concepts on pre-visualization. Really? Yeah, it was, it was an interesting experiment. Is that available? Not anymore. This was 1980-ish. Wow. So one question that has little to do with photography. You've traveled around and you've returned to places. Has there been a change due to climate change? Well, absolutely. Uh, if your viewers want to see something, uh, go on uh, YouTube, type in Rick Salmon, in a t-shirt in Antarctica. That's changed. Susan and I, we scuba dived. All we did was scuba dive and take underwater pictures for 20 years. We can't go back or don't want to go back to some of the places like the Great Barrier Reef, which are not in good shape, the Maldives, uh, Key Largo, closer to home, the reefs around the world. My son, if he goes scuba diving, is not, definitely not going to see what what we what we saw and the weather patterns are changing all over the planet we were in tanzania at quote the wrong time because our trip was delayed and the animals were still still there because they they didn't have to move to follow the rain so climate change is affecting everything and you don't have to go to tanzania or antarctica or the arctic or greenland where the ice is melting faster than anywhere else on the planet uh, just look, go look out in your own backyard and see how see how the the climate is changing. I snorkeled over the Great Barrier Reef. Just yeah, tourist, amazing, right? There are no fish. Uh, Every, oh, recently you? Uh, no, it was a couple of years ago. No, that's just, recently. Yeah, no fish on the Great Barrier Reef. Yeah, that's so sad. Yeah. Okay, one more thing. Sure. Uh, you just wrote a book that has no images, a photo mm -hmm. book that has no images. Yeah. Tell me about it. Yeah, it's it's called, I have it right here. It's called Phototherapy, Motivation, and uh, Wisdom. It was going to be called Phototherapy. And then my wife said, oh, add motivation and wisdom. Yeah, and it has no pictures in it. And what I wanted to do, I... So this is not the first photography book, by the way, written with no pictures in it, but I thought it'd be a challenge and actually became a, fa a number one bestseller on Amazon in a relatively a short period of time. But I didn't want people to be distracted by a sunset picture or a wildlife picture. And I just wanted them to really think, think about photography, including, you know, I'm looking for the chapter here on chat page seven here. I asked people, what what does your photography mean to you and so this is more of a philosophical book so you know photography is so important to people here are some of the things people said An escape everything exploration play and fun my social life someone said i have no choice freedom owning art art heals how about that 
living legacy, staying fresh. And I'll leave the last, well, there's a, there's a lot here, but save my life. So I realized how important ph photography is to people. And I got that idea also from social media. I saw a, a book on Twitter called Bird, Ther Bird Therapy. And that book talks about how important, you know, it is to watch birds and how you could, you know, you've, you've heard in like uh, uh, in nursing homes, they have aquariums. People watch the fish swim around. Well, that's very therapeutic. So anyway, I think photography is so therapeutic, so rewarding, so fun and helps us grow and stay, uh, stay young. I know it's been a big part of my life as well. Yeah. So uh, what you're saying is right, right on track. Yeah. Yeah. I ask people that question sometimes. I just did a workshop. We went around the table and <clears throat> two people got emotional because it's just so, in, so important to them. And I think the, the act of taking the photograph, uh, you see more. You learn more. You involve yourself more in the culture of, of where you are. Well, that is so true. You know, like with uh, music, there's a big difference between hearing and listening. And, you know, you could be driving around in the car with your friends, whatever, and the best song in the world could be on, and you could just hear it. But if you're by yourself, you might listen to it. You might listen to the bass, the drums, the vocals, the violins, whatever's there. And in photography, it's the same thing. There's a big difference between, you know, looking and seeing. A lot of people, you know, just go to the whatever, the Grand Canyon, and they see it. But a photographer will go there and look. And so I like to use that analogy a lot, that there's a big difference between in music, hearing and listening, and photography, looking and seeing. Any other books, tours, seminars, or workshops you want to talk about? Uh, no, I have. A, those books are, are two, two of my favorites. And um, I, uh, I have a Tanzania workshop coming up next year, but it's full. So, yeah, everything else is, everything else is pretty good. Anything we missed? No, uh, you did a great job. And I wish I had you as a dentist, you know, when I was younger. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's you have good. you have a you have a good chair like a doctor has a bedside manner. You have a good chair side manner. Well, that took about forty years to develop. <laughs> right. So, uh, I'm I'm way away from that now. Yeah. Anyhow, Rick, this has been exciting. I thank you for coming on specifically for seniors. Well, th thank you, being a, a, a sexy senior citizen. I hope myself. It's been it's been a pleasure. You did a you did a great job. Thanks, Rick. Thank you, my friend. If you found this podcast interesting, fun, or helpful, tell your friends and family, and click on the follow or subscribe button. We'll let you know when new episodes are available. You've been listening to Specifically for Seniors. We'll talk more next time. Stay connected.